Hi there, and welcome to the pilot episode of Mark's Manic Mondays. I'm your host, Mark Rouse. Today, I meet with Dr. Paul Deerdorf, a clinical psychologist and lifelong friend, to discuss navigating through life while diagnosed manic bipolar. If you want to call in to Mark's Manic Mondays, our number is 513-279-2301, or you can email us at marksmanicmondays at gmail.com. This podcast was delivered to you by Siler's Drive-Thru and produced with Descript. The music heard in this episode was created by Scott Salmon. I hope you enjoy. If not, we'll get him next time. Like I mentioned in our intro, we've known each other our entire lives. What, what's your first memory? What's your first memory of me? Of uh, seeing you play soccer in the probably the first grade. I was fat in the first grade, and I remember not being able to keep. <laughs> but fast. Yeah, I remember. I always had pretty good speed for a big guy, but I didn't have endurance. I was always exhausted by the time the second quarter, second half came around in different sports. But then it turns out that I had a heart problem, and that was the reason why I had no endurance. Or at least that's what I'm going to say, because I had to have open-heart surgery when I was 14. But that's your first memory of me? Yes, and I I remember you had a ton of energy. I, I don't ever remember you tiring out, but maybe you did, and I just didn't notice. And by the way, we have a... You have known me most of your life. I was alive a long time before you were born. Yeah, so barely. Said we've known our lives. I've known so you so my entire life. Yes, that's since I've like since it. I've been able to know who people are. Yes, I've known Sam, and I've known Sam's dad. This might be a little personal of information to give out, but I remember one time being at your house as a kid. Yes. and you know my family. My family didn't have the same resources that a typical Hyde Park family had, and our house was nothing special. My two brothers and I shared a room upstairs, and when I went to the Deerdorfs, it was so big that I got lost in there once. I didn't know where Sam was. I didn't know where I was, and I got lost in your house. But you have a, that's a great house. It's not it's, because well, you don't have it anymore, right? No, I don't. But that was a great childhood home for Sam yes, to, to grow up in. You got the pool and the hot tub in right. the back. Right. I used to love that house. I used to come over to Dr. Deardorff's every morning in high school, freshman and sophomore year, to get rides to school. Right. I would show up, and Sam and I would watch Save by the Bell on your big screen, and then the McGraths would come pick us up. I remember. And Hauser and West Schroeder. Remember it all. We had a great time. Right. But then our situation... Our relationship took a different turn at one point where after I stopped working for Groupon, I got into some legal trouble because of a manic episode that I had. 
and you were able to help me out a lot with that, which I still appreciate and want to thank you for. No problem. And you were just a little manic Yeah, I was just in a mood. I was on one. Yes, you were. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you were. You want to talk about it? Let's do it. Okay. So when you first heard about what happened with me, what was your reaction? I was surprised. You were? I was surprised, yes. Yes. Had you ever thought prior that maybe Mark's not playing with a full deck? Has... I, I thought you had some ADHD. That's what I thought. And, and, and honestly, I've had two really bad manic episodes in my life. And both times it was when I was taking Adderall for work and also smoking weed. And I don't... You know, the title of this other podcast I want to put out is called Hire Me, spelled H-I-G-H-E-R, kind of a play on words, and then it's How Groupon Turned Me Bipolar. And I know you don't subscribe to any sort of theory that you can be turned bipolar by something or catch it like it's a disease, all right? But would you maybe agree with me that Situation, yes, situational stress can lead it to manifest. Sure. But then as soon as you're called bipolar, no doctor, no doctor that ever would diagnose me as bipolar would eventually put out another diagnosis saying he is no longer bipolar. As soon as you've had any sort of manic or depressive episode that was noted by any sort of medical professional, you're considered, at least by them, to be bipolar for life. And the only Correct. solution is medication and therapy. Correct. You can't, you can't kick it. As far as the research that I'm aware of at this point in time, that's right. You can't kick it. But you can live with it. Yeah. Pretty well. Absolutely. Absolutely you can. Get enough sleep. Have a routine. Take your medication, and there's a fourth. That'll Maybe don't do drugs. Yeah, it probably didn't help. Yeah. But of the two situations, I would be, the stress associated with that job was probably a bigger deal than smoking weed. I agree. I, 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 I had been smoking know. weed for five years, and I'd never had any sort of manic episode. Right. But when you don't sleep for five days because you're convinced the company you grew up loving and got a job with wasn't you know acting ethically and you start going down rabbit holes of how am I going to prove this and tell the story on a mass scale then you start losing your mind yeah that's where it started yeah and apparently there was a lot of shenanigans with the company from what I heard on TV yeah it's a crazy company. There's, there's, there was never a company that will ever be like that again, I don't think. Because at the time, there was nothing like it. And for them to... When they started making hundreds of million dollars a month from simply sending out an email, it's not a question of like, oh, is something fishy or is something weird going on here? It's, okay, how greedy must a company be to be able to pull out hundreds of thousands of dollars that otherwise would have been going to local businesses while at the same time they want to try to claim that they're good for local businesses and it's like well you don't you, you he didn't start the company 
because he felt local businesses need better marketing opportunities to get new customers, he started it because he wanted to make money. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the business model was cash comes from someone who buys the coupon. Correct? Someone gets on Groupon.com or their mobile app and they buy a Groupon. That's where the money comes from. Yep. And then the business will sell them a product or a service at a lower price. Yeah, so the first Groupon ever was a buy one, get one free pizza at this place called the Motel Bar that I used to go to all the time when I worked at Groupon. It's in the same building. So two pizzas was normally $40, but they ran a Groupon for $20. And out of the $20, Motel Bar gets 10 and Groupon gets 10. So whatever the deal from, from is... The client, from, the, from the purchaser. Correct. So, so the user comes in and buys the Groupon for $20 yep. to Groupon. Groupon gets the money. Yes. Groupon then gives only half of it to the actual local business and they keep half. So Motel Bar was used to making $40 on two pizzas. Now they made 10 not 30? No, because 20 of it's gone in the discount. Oh, each pizza is... is each yeah. pizza was $20. Okay. Yeah, so let's say it was normally $40 for two pizzas. They paid 20 because it was buy one, get one free, but Groupon only made $20 from the user on the deal, and they took 10 of it and kept it, and then gave 10 to the business. So if I'm a, if I'm a skydiving joint, and I'm normally selling my skydiving experiences for... $250. We run a Groupon and it's only 120 because that's what Groupon decided was best for that local business. Okay. All right. And out of that, it went 50 50. Groupon gets 60. The skydiving joint gets 60. So for every incremental customer that came through there, all Groupon did was send an email once, one day. And they just happened to have a lot of subscribers. But then the local business, the one actually you know, paying for the real estate, paying for the plane, paying for the tandem jumpers, all the overhead, all that stuff, they got paid the same amount that Groupon got paid every time. Wow. Yep. Now, eventually, you know, five years into Groupon's existence, they started being a little more lenient with what the revenue shares would be because a hotel is never going to split their revenue with you 50-50 or maybe a LASIK place would never agree to something like that. And once they went public and they were in every city, in every state, country, they they allowed the sales reps to negotiate what the margins would be a lot better. So by the time I got there in 2013 and I was working for Groupon Getaways, a typical split was 80-20. So any- 20 to, to Groupon. 20 to Groupon, yep. Now, when I started working at Groupon, they implemented a secret booking fee into the total. So if I went on there and I bought a room night for $100 and there was a 10% tax and I was charged 110 total, right? Yes. It, all it says is total and then taxes and fees, 10, and then the subtotal uh, or whatever it is, 110 grand total, okay? 
when I, when I was working there, our general manager of Groupon Getaways decides, hey, we need to make more money than we're making currently. So we're gonna start secretly charging our customers a booking fee and we're just gonna bury it in the taxes and fees line item when they check out, okay? That's what really started me losing my mind is I couldn't believe that we would be so blatantly unethical. Yeah. And the cre- and the thing that really messed me up and you have to dive in the, dive into the weeds a little bit is because we didn't tell our customers we were doing it and because we didn't tell the local businesses that we were doing it the local businesses were incorrectly or unable to report their taxes because if a hotel thinks a hotel room sold for $100 but it really sold for 105 well, then the tax amount brought in was higher than what they originally thought. So they thought that they were underpaying their taxes. They were getting notifications that they weren't paying enough in taxes. And Groupon was like not telling any of the hotels that they were doing it. So I started having the hotel clients reach out to me like, hey, Mark, our, our taxes are messed up. We're not doing Groupon anymore. And I had to, you know, basically leave the company wow yeah there was that portion of it and then there's the recorded calls part of it because groupon was sorry illegally recording every single conversation that came in and out of their headquarters what's law the law on that so if if a customer calls into groupon they're being they're told by a machine that they're being recorded so it's legal Okay. However, we were making outbound sales phone calls. And whenever you do that, you have to tell the person on the other line right away that they're being recorded. Okay. So when I started at Groupon and went through training, that's when I was kind of become aware of all these policies related to the calls we were making. But then I got promoted into Groupon getaways where I was reaching out to general managers and director of marketing for different hospitality groups and if you call someone in their office and they're a c-level executive and you say hi this is mark from groupon getaways on a recorded line how are you doing they're going to hang up on you so i was instructed by my management hey we don't follow that rule wow yep so you would do that yep which was not consistent with your ethics not no i'm i'm a very ethical person and I'd, I've never been known to do anything immoral. But, you know, I, I understand why they did it, I guess, a little bit. How long did you continue to do that? Less than a year. And ultimately, is that what got, got you going in the direction of mania? I think the recorded calls, the secret booking fee, and then a lot of other Uh, unfortunate coincidences led me to start believing that maybe my brother had planted me at the company Groupon to uncover all of this. Uh, I became really skeptical of like all my friends and family. And unfortunately, at the time that this happened, Groupon's accounting firm, Ernst & Young, was the same firm that my brother worked for at the time. So that's that connection. Yep. So, and I don't know if you remember from the video I showed you, but 
they got in a lot of trouble for their accounting tricks. Groupon. Groupon. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. from the 60 Minutes yes. piece. All right, and so I already knew about all this prior, but at Groupon's headquarters in Chicago, they have this closet. It's basically just a walk-in storage closet, and on the sign to the to the room, it says the EY room, and it's sort of this joke that like they don't like EY for what they did because so. Ernst and Young. Young, correct. EY. So now they're EY. They rebranded to just EY. But so Groupon hired EY to come in and do their books before they went public. And EY essentially has to give them a grade on how well their business is doing and how accurately they've been reporting their numbers. And the worst you can do on that grade is something called a material weakness. All right, so if you're given a material weakness, that's basically EY saying we're not going to endorse anything that you guys are saying about your business situation. And that's what they were given. And that's what they were given, a material weakness. And it makes a lot of sense in the sense that Groupon was basically reporting their revenue double what it was, which makes a lot of sense because they really were bringing in that much cash. If they ran a deal with business A and they were making $10 on every deal, five of it going to Groupon, well, the user still paid Groupon 10. And five of that is now in accounts payable to the local business. Right. But from their own standpoint, they're like, well, we, we are bringing this money in. I see. And then they wanted to write off the other $5 as a marketing expense. If that makes sense. It's really, I mean, it's hard to explain, but all I know is I worked there and it, it was way worse than I thought it would be. And it led you to a manic episode. Yeah, and a mental hospital. Yes. Yep, a bunch of mental hospitals. So what can you do, you know? <laughs> well, you did what... Let's talk about what you did do. I lit a bunch of matches on fire inside of a bathtub and called the cops on myself. Why'd you call the police? Well, I didn't want the house to burn down. I just wanted someone to acknowledge what I was doing. And I wanted the government and Groupon to admit that they were following me and that they were wrong about how they treated me. Okay. So I was acting super childish at age 24. 25 super childish or manic yeah both so my memory is you thought people were following you you lit the fire you weren't in the bathtub by the way the bath there was a bathtub in the basement of the building yeah there was a bathtub in the basement of the building and i i had worked for this other startup and they had given me a bunch of mac matchbooks to give away as marketing material to different right. people like a bar does. Yes. So I had, as the fire marshal wrote it, over 10,000 matches I lit on fire. Oh, well, come on. Like, give me a break. We... They put out the fire with a bucket of water <laughs> and, and then arrested me and charged me with a felony too, which is the only things worse are aggravated assault, murder, and rape. Yeah. But they charged me with that. And 
because of a lot of different things, I had to spend 13 months in a mental hospital because of it. And so that put my career on hold. You know, it, it sucks because I worked for 23 years of my life to get to a point where I could start a good career, never once got in trouble, and then... I graduate with two degrees in marketing and international business with a 3.8 GPA and a co-op with Delta Airlines. And then I I make one really stupid mistake and now any job that I thought I might have been capable of doing or experienced enough to, to be considered for, well now they're gonna run a background check and, 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 and an employment check because it's hard to explain why you hadn't worked for so long. Correct. So now I've basically completely given up on any sort of corporate career. I know that GE and P&G and Kroger are never going to hire me for anything marketing related, but I can start my own podcast and I can do comedy and do my own thing and be my own boss. And like I mentioned to you, I'm doing transcription now with this app Descript. Well, let's back up a little bit. You said what you made one mistake. I don't know that I would describe it as a mistake. The the pressure, and you were not in treatment back then for bipolar. The pressure of that job, the the stress associated with doing things that were not consistent with your character, and and seeing what the, you thought the company was doing, led to that episode which was how many years ago? Five. Now you said you had a second manic episode? You said you had two manic episodes. I've had two bad manic episodes. They were within nine months of each other. Okay. The first one was at the end of February of 2015. That's when I didn't sleep for five days, quit Groupon, serial shoplifted. And And then I told a police officer... That I, so I'll give the context first. So basically, I'm completely convinced that my brothers are in on some scheme to plant me at Groupon and get me to figure this stuff out. But I don't trust anybody. You were at that time. At the time. Yes. So I told my dad that I wanted to go to the hospital. And at about this time, he had already called one of my brothers to come over to take me to the hospital. And I didn't trust him at the time, and so I ran off. I ran out of our apartment into Rookwood Commons. And a lot of weird... I was doing a lot of weird stuff that I could talk about later that is, like, genuinely funny. And meanwhile, Rookwood is an outdoor shopping shopping area, a pretty classy place. It's It's very classy. But anyway, I show up there, and my brother shows up, too, and finds me. And I, I somehow the police got called, or the police showed up. And I started talking to the officer about everything and how I wanted to go to the hospital, but I didn't want my brother to take me. And he was like, well, I'm sorry, I can't take you unless you're a harm to yourself or anybody else. I was like, fine, you know what? I'm going to kill myself right now by holding my breath. And he was like, ah, all right, come on. <laughs> and he gave me a ride from, from Rookwood down to Clifton to Deaconess. Okay. And I spent six days on suicide watch at Deaconess over my birthday. Were you holding your breath? No. Okay. No, I, I ended up breathing. All right. But but before that happened, there's this really funny story about me going into La Rosa's. 
So you know the La Rosa's on Madison? Pizza place, yes. Yeah, the pizza place. So I'm super manic, and at the time I just wanted to go get an Xbox One from GameStop, but I didn't want to pay for it. So I was yelling out the window about how I was getting ready to go over to GameStop and to have them have an Xbox ready for me. And uh, my dad's like, what? <laughs> and he calls, the, he calls my brother. So anyway, I'm on my way to GameStop. It's the middle of the day. okay. But for some reason, I think they're going to be closed or it's going to be locked. So I needed something to be able to like get in. Yeah. So I'm walking to GameStop from my apartment and there's La Rosa's on the way. And La Rosa's has a bunch of chairs in this in the waiting area yes so i so imagine you're just sitting at la rosa's waiting for your pickup order and you're sitting at one of these chairs some guy with the craziest look on his face just runs in looks everybody down picks up one of the chairs and then walks out of la rosa's and that's you <laughs> that's me yeah yes. so i just went in there and i was like this will do and i grabbed this chair and I start walking out, and this other guy was walking out with me who had just gotten his food. And I asked him, I was like, hey, can you give me a ride over to GameStop? And he was like, what? Like, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. But he was probably just scared of this crazy guy. Probably. So he was like, all right, sure, I guess. And then so I, I was like, can I bring this chair with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I've just <laughs> taken it out of the front. Uh-huh. He's saying this to me as like LaRose's employees are right there. Yeah. Why not? So I so I put my I put the the seat in his car and then I eventually I think I saw my brother at that point and I was like, hey, never mind, I'll be fine and I just started walking to GameStop without him. But you left the chair in his car. But yeah, we have these inside jokes amongst my friends that know about the situation that I'm not welcome back at La Rosa's, Reeves Golf Course, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Rally House. I just want to bring up all all business people and your friends should never say to you, have a seat, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> have a seat. <laughs> It'll take it literally. Yes. So at one point, I'm super manic. I'm convinced that I can't get in trouble for anything. And then I can just shoplift whatever I want. So I'm testing out this theory. And I go into Rally House, which they sell different apparel and goods for college. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and professional sports teams. It's a sports place. Right. I go in there and I see this Cincinnati Reds pool cue that I thought was really interesting. Yes. And I snapped at one of the employees. I'm like, hey, come over here. He comes over and I say, tell me everything you know about this pool cue. He's probably like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he says some stuff, whatever it is, I'm not even listening. I'm like, all right, cool. And he walks away. And so if you think about how long a pool stick yes. is, even when you screw out the middle and put it down into a case, it's still pretty tall. Yes, it is. So I took one of them and I was wearing jeans and I just shoved it down the front of my jeans, down to my ankle. Except it went up above my knee joint. So it caused me to like walk with a limp. But I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Everybody's watching me anyway. I'll limp out of here, exaggerated, after I had just asked one of their employees about the pool cue and said, oh, I'm going to get it. And so I just literally walked all the way home from Rally House like this, just kind of looking at the employees like, <laughs> but I got away with it, and I also stole a 
this was a long time ago, so hopefully there's a statute of limitations on petty theft. We can help. But uh, there was a shower head sprinkler that changed colors as as the water came through. So I got that, and then a couple of Tervis tumbler cups that I wanted, and then I forget what else I got, but it was mainly it was wild at the, at the retail shops. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that was how long ago? 2016. Okay. So then, that was the first episode. Then, I started working for a yoga studio here in Cincinnati that I had gotten to run Groupons, and I had gotten to know the owner. And so as soon as I left Groupon, I called this guy up and was like, hey, you want me to work for you? He was like, yeah, sure. So I saw, I worked for this yoga studio for a couple months, and eventually reapplied for a job for another startup company out of Buffalo for a job in Chicago. So I moved back to Chicago within five or six months of leaving for this new job, and I was there for maybe two months. And then Andrew Mason, the founder of Groupon, he wrote an article called Why Root for Groupon? And this was well after he had already left the company, he had already started his own thing called Detour before he started Descript. Uh, Detour was just like a walking tour app. Like a, okay, I've seen yeah, those. yeah. So he had something called Detour that he sold to Bose. And then now he does Descript. But at the time, he writes this article about Groupon and why you should still root for Groupon. And I'm convinced that he's writing it to me or for me to respond to. And it was on this website called medium.com, which was kind of like an independent media outlet that like nobody had heard of. So typically if a CEO of a publicly traded company writes anything about something, you're not going to be able to comment or get him to acknowledge your existence. Like it's going to be through a third party interviewer or something, but he just randomly posted this article on Medium and one of my coworkers from Groupon shared it on Facebook and I saw it and I was like, well, I have to respond to this. So did you think he was trying to contact you? Yeah, sort of. Okay. it's always this it's hard to explain what that feeling is when I have it, but it's essentially that whatever I'm following, whatever I'm listening to, their their main most important audience member is me. Yes. And while they're claiming to try to reach this audience of people, the content is created and curated and specialized to just acknowledge me. Yes. So I respond to this Medium article with this... I I deleted it since. I've never been able to find it since. But basically, I just bashed Groupon as a whole and how fraudulent they are and how terrible their employees were sometimes and how bad they are for local businesses. And pretty much everybody that I worked with at Groupon, which was, you know, 100 more, they all saw it, read it, and... I knew I knew that Andrew read it and saw it at the time because too many prior employees that had left had seen it and texted or called me. Yeah. But after I did that, I quickly quit the job with the startup and moved back to Cincinnati. Just I forget why, but I was just like, hey, I don't need to do this anymore. I'm about to be famous. So I moved back to Cincinnati. You're about to be famous. It's always, I'm about to be famous. I see. Yeah. I've always wanted to be famous, and I've always been convinced 
that I was destined to be famous for some reason. Senior year of high school, we all had to give each other nicknames for like our senior night thing. Yes. And mine was self-appointed. Huh. Because I always thought I was good at every position. And I was like, yo, I should be our kicker. I should be our this. I can long snap. I can do this. So anything I did, it was always like, oh, I should, I should be I the one do this. doing this. Yes. So I did that. But... Going and then to Chicago led to another manic episode. Is that where we're at? It. Yeah, it's yeah. probably not healthy for me to live in Chicago or be there for any extended period of time, be- just because of the memories it brings exactly. back. That's exactly right. So about you, you couldn't get a job at Kroger wherever. So it's been how many years since you've had an episode of any kind? I think some friends and family were worried that I was manic last October for a little while. And maybe I was. I don't know. Have, when's the last time I had a manic episode? Yes. Where, uh, since then. What, October? Si- no, 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 since. So like four years? Yeah. 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 You're, you've been in treatment. You're, you take your medicine. You have a routine. You, you do during the day. Keep yourself busy. You make sure you have enough to, enough sleep every day. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're still capable. I am. It's just you have to submit a resume. Oh, I and I, get and that. I don't know I, what my resume that. would really say. You know what right. it would say is I worked at Delta for three years, then Groupon for two years, then a startup for three months, then you worked at a behavioral hospital for thirteen months as a cook. That was interesting. And then, huh. and then I've had, you know, three or four other jobs since. Like, they would look at that resume and be like, "Okay, this guy's clearly not going to be a long-term employee for us." Yeah. Somebody. And that's okay. Be- Honestly, I don't care. I don't care about it because I'm not meant to work for anybody. Right. I I don't think. Okay. Would you want to be my boss? No. <laughs> See. <laughs> no, you're right. You should be your own boss. Yeah. You just want me to be my own boss. Should be. But I don't, can't think of anybody that doesn't like you. You are, you do what you say you're going to do. You interact easily with people. You're smart. So you, you something's good is going to happen. Well, this podcast is going to take off. Good. And we'll start recording once a week. Yes, we, we can do that. Um, it doesn't have to be on. Uh, typically, we'll probably meet maybe towards the end of the week. It's okay. And then, uh, yeah, we'll meet towards the end of the week, and that way I have time to edit and mix and everything and put it out on Mondays. All right. So is but, this session one, or I thought we'd we'll Yeah, we can be done. It's been, what, 30 minutes probably? I can't More tell. More than that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you think people like me. They do. <laughs> my, my watch says it's 20 after 1. That can't be right. Oh, it's on upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Just like your mask. Exactly. So if oh, is it? if you listeners were wondering why it was hard to hear Dr. Deardorff, it's because he was wearing a mask for coronavirus. Exactly. Because one of us has to. I have a cold. I don't want to spread any germs. That's fair. As far as I know, I don't have the corona. As far as you know. As far as I know. Yeah, you Tem- probably don't. My I probably don't either. been good for... Ever since I started taking my temperature three weeks ago. Nice. Yes. 
All right. So, do you have any last words for our first uh, episode? Forward to next week to see what happens in the world of Mark. Uh, I do want to point out that I'm not your therapist. I I did help you. I work as a psychologist. I did help you in that situation, sort of as a friend of the family. And that's it. I'm not your therapist. That's true. I'm not your mental health professional. You're just the therapist that meets with me to shoot the shit. Bingo. Yep. You're just a friend. A good friend. That's exactly right, Mark. All right. Well, this has been Mark's Manic Mondays, Episode 1. I hope you enjoyed. If not... Yep. If not, we'll try again next week. We'll we'll get them next time. That's exactly right. We'll get them next time. That's our closing. That's we close out with that. Get them next time. We'll get them next time. All right. Because it used to be you can't win them all, but you can't win them all is negative and passive. So we wanted to turn it into active and positive. Well done. We'll We'll get them next time. time. Yeah. Because I used to say, eh, can't win them all. I said it way too much. Right. Now I'm pretty much saying the same thing, but the opposite. We can win some. We will win the next one. All right. We'll get them next time. Okay. All right, we'll get them next time. I ain't got a winning smile, but I've got a winner's grin. Oh, but who?